0: DeMarco Murray is about to launch another big-time recruiting class. We'll talk about why he is elite on today's episode of Locked On Sooners Live. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners Live. Thank you for joining us. I'm John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnSooners. And Josh, we got a big-time commitment coming up on the 27th. We got Xavier Robinson of Carl Albert High, the uh, in-state product uh, set to commit. All signs are pointing to the Oklahoma Sooners. But you never know. We also know that Oklahoma continues to get projection after projection after projection for four-star running back Taylor Tatum and four-star running back Caden Durham. The two sport athletes, Durham running track, Taylor Tatum also playing baseball. So basically what we're seeing is that DeMarco Murray is arguably the best running back recruiter in the nation right now.
1: Well, first off, good evening. Great to be with you. Uh, What's up, everybody? uh, Here live with us on YouTube or listening along across uh, anywhere you consume your podcast, your team every single day right here on Locked On Sooners and the Locked On Network. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a a good place to start tonight. DeMarco Murray. And I know we've done this song and dance before, John. But uh, it's not too far removed a couple of years back from there being some, some legitimate criticism or concern with how things had started demarco murray recruiting running backs to oklahoma and now lo and behold you've got maybe when this thing's all said and done a little bit of everything in this running back uh, recruiting and eventual signing class we hope for oklahoma if things go the uh, direction that it seems like they're going for ou and probably that first domino it feels like he's going to fall tomorrow with xavier robinson
0: And I love what Xavier Robinson brings to the table because he was a guy that kind of had to carry his offense last year, over 2,500 rushing yards, a ton of touchdowns and helped Carl Albert win a state championship in the class five. A was the Oklahomans offensive player of the year in class five. A. So yes. Okay. You can look across the recruiting ratings. You can only see a three-star player, but three-star players, I mean, you get good players sometimes when they're three-star we've had people drop in the comments at time and say yes yeah, cd lamb three-star you look back at like a guy like des bryant an under recruited player because of you know some size you know deficiencies he might have had at one point in time i mean three-star players aren't all created equal and xavier robinson can just straight up play football he's a really good football player. I've seen some rumblings that they might try to use him a little bit in the H back role as well. I mean, he's got the size to do that, to be both a dynamic receiving and running threat. Um, Allah, maybe a Mikey Henderson, you know, someone who looked like he might be able to play that part for the Sooners, but didn't really ever get that. I mean, he didn't, that didn't really transpire. So this is a team that is very much valuing the running back position. And for good reason, Jeff Levy wants to run the football, right? We saw it in 2022, even when Dylan Gabriel was running the ball, they wanted to be a big part. They wanted their, their running game to be a big part of their offense. And what better way to show that than to prioritize the running back position, grab the number one running back in the class, grab a speedster in Caden Durham, and then grab a big physical prospect in Xavier Robinson, someone who's going to just punish defenders. If there was one issue that Oklahoma had in 2022, I mean, there were several issues Oklahoma had in 2022, but one of those things was short yardage. And a guy like Xavier Robinson helps fix that problem for you.
1: Well, you know, I I think it's important to have different types of runners, different types of backs, Xavier Robinson being a a 6'2, 220, you know, whether or not that, Eventually for Xavier Robinson, I mean, whether or not he's just a typical running back for Oklahoma and he's just an absolute bruiser at six foot two, 220 pounds, John, or if, yeah, he does eventually kind of fit into the H back fullback type role for Oklahoma that guys before him, frankly, have, have made famous John, I mean, and have made NFL careers out of being that guy. And then eventually down the road for Xavier Robinson, Who knows if you have the pass catching skills and just the natural athleticism, H back to fullback to tight end, as you kind of climb the ladder into uh, maybe the professional ranks, there's more than one way to get to the national football league from the university of Oklahoma. And for OU, not every back has to fit into one specific box where you're, you know, five foot ten to six foot one and one hundred ninety to two hundred pounds. I mean, it's okay to have a six foot two, two twenty guy lurking around in the backfield to go along with uh, with a Durham and with a, a Tatum. So I love that aspect to it. Let's hope that that gets the ball rolling on uh, the commitment train for the running backs uh, group in this class for Oklahoma tomorrow. Some folks uh, a little bit concerned about Caden Durham with uh, LSU. What uh, what do you make of that, John? Uh, Sooner Cowboys seems like he really likes LSU too. And what's uh, what's the late rumor that, uh, well or the late report that he took another visit or trip down to LSU? So that has folks a little bit concerned. Still seems like Oklahoma's the leader, but hey, uh, a recruitment's never final until there's a commitment, and a commitment's never final until there's a signing for Oklahoma. I guess I would say to that panic, number one, I do still think Oklahoma's the leader. And number two, If you wind up with Xavier Robinson and Tatum, that's still an incredible running back haul to a campus and a program, John, that need I run down the list of the running backs that are already on campus for Oklahoma. So yeah, I mean, look, want to get all three, want to get Robinson, want to get Durham, want to get Tatum. But uh, if you get two of the three, man, you're still in a really, really good spot in this class.
0: Yeah, I start to wonder at some point, are there enough footballs to go around? Because you look at what DeMarco Murray's done with what's on campus right now, and you have Javante Barnes, Gavin Sawchuk out of the 2022 class. You got Dalen Smothers, Caleb Hicks in the 2023 cycle. And now you're looking to go for three guys in your 2024 cycle. I mean, you're going to be a locked and loaded running back room when you get to the SEC. And having a diverse group, I think only helps you. Because when you go play against, you know, SEC defenses, you got to have multiple ways to beat guys. And if you have, you know, a Taylor Tatum who's kind of that all purpose back, he does everything really well. You got Caden Durham who's more of your kind of scat back type. I mean, he's going to be able to run between the tackles, but you're getting the ball to him in space and letting him use his speed. And then you have a guy like Xavier Robinson who is just going to flat out punish defenders. I think that matters having that diversity on Durham. I mean, yeah, LSU is going to be a player in this because of their track um, abilities as a program. But I mean, the relationships are there, he, he loves Oklahoma too. Like there's mm-hmm. nothing to say that he won't commit to Oklahoma. LSU is going to be a threat for sure. But I mean, the relationships that not only does he have with DeMarco Murray, but even Emmett Jones and, you know, the trust level that's there with Emmett Jones and Duncanville High School, where Caden Durham plays his, you know, high school ball, that matters too. Like Emmett Jones and, and the the respect and the reputation that he has in North Texas football, that's gonna go a long way in a lot of recruitments, not just at wide receiver, but also at running back as well. It's it's one of those self-fulfilling prophecies where they they help each other out quite a bit and and i really like what oklahoma is going to get uh potentially in durham robinson and tatum again having the diverse skill sets as you go into an sec that's gonna that's gonna challenge you it's gonna challenge your offense every single week and you're gonna have to have ways to beat guys in multiple ways
1: so what does uh what does oklahoma wind up with here if you get robinson durham tatum it's an incredible haul for Oklahoma and again DeMarco Murray's just out here uh, for lack of better phrasing he's he's stunting on uh, other coaches I mean he's running circles around other coaches uh, in the recruiting department he's he's elite and Oklahoma has somebody that they should And it's not surprising. I mean, I think we said this when there was some early turbulence for DeMarco Murray, or maybe you and I didn't because we weren't doing the show together uh, yet at that point in time. But you and I in different uh, platforms, or you right here and me somewhere else, we're probably both saying, okay, patience with DeMarco Murray, because here's somebody that – I mean, it's not shocking that DeMarco Murray's recruiting the way that he is, uh, getting the commitments that he's gotten – getting the signings that he's gotten, that we're talking about potentially these types of names in this signing class for Oklahoma. I mean, it's not shocking because DeMarco Murray did that at Oklahoma. He did that with the Dallas Cowboys. And that's sort of what I said when, whenever there were any problems early DeMarco Murray is going to be able to recruit as well or better than anybody, because you know what uh, high school kids trust more than anything, John, it's somebody that has been there and done that. And oh, by the way, for DeMarco Murray has been there and done that in a professional manner. And I mean that in the way that he played football, the way that he, he went about his football career, the way that he talked to the media on and on and on very professional guy. All of that translated to this guy was going to be a home run recruiter and lo and behold here we are and it's played out exactly like that
0: yeah and he's showing that he's one of the best in the country and yeah it's a sharp choice he's doing a fantastic job down there at texas you know the one time short-lived oklahoma sooner before he we went off to georgia tech and another dallas cowboys running back there's something about you know having that oklahoma dallas cowboys connection at running back i bet emmett jones would be a fantastic recruiter out there if he decided to, to throw his hat in the ring in the in the uh, recruiting game but um uh, I say Emma Jones. I'm Emmett Emma Smith. I got Emma Jones on the brain. I can't remember Emmitt, what I said. Exactly. Emma
1: Jones is a fantastic recruiter. He is a fantastic <laughs>
0: recruiter. <laughs> but Emma Smith, um, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's fun to see because DeMarco Murray is probably one of the more well loved, you know, players on offense over the last 25 years. I think everybody loved the way he played the game. And you mentioned just the way he was in the media and the way he was in the NFL, just, you know, doing what he had to do. I mean, he didn't get an opportunity right away with the Dallas Cowboys to carry the load. He had to kind of bide his time a little bit, be in a rotational role, being a running back by committee and someone who actually saw the benefit of a running back by committee, because that year that the Dallas Cowboys just kind of ran him into the ground with 390 something carries. He wasn't the same after that. I mean, he wasn't the same when he went to the Philadelphia Eagles and had a one more good year with Tennessee, but then it was kind of it. But again, someone who can say, look, I played at the next level. I played in, you know, a committee role. I played in a lead role. You know, there's a good, there's a good thing to be said about, Hey, you don't have to carry the ball 25 times a game to get noticed. You can carry the ball 10 to 15 times a game, get noticed and still have a productive career at the college level and potentially at the NFL level too. So I think there's a, there's a lot to be said that he can draw from his experience to, to, pour into these kids as well, because not only has he done it, but he's done it in a lot of different ways. He's had great success. He had some not so great years. He had to kind of bide his time and wait for opportunities, which several of these guys in Oklahoma's running back room are going to have to wait for opportunities because of how deep this running back room is right now. And and going to continue to be, you know, being able to preach patience a little bit that matters and being able to say, Hey, listen, you may not get the ball a bunch your freshman year. That's okay but you're, we're going to start integrating you in the offense more and more as you grow up, as you mature, as you get more physically prepared to play the game at this level, you'll get the ball. You just got to be patient. You got to do the work. You got to wait. And he's, he's very much, a, the, the standard for that right there. And so, I mean, what better way to be able to express that? And, and it goes to show like this, this coaching staff. Okay. Yeah. They only won six games last year. Yeah. They got a lot to prove on the field off the field They've had nothing but success on the recruiting trail, and it's only going to continue to grow from there.
1: Well, and one thing for Oklahoma that we see in terms of the two sport guys, right, with Tatum, you've had recent success with a Kyler Murray. Nesta, you've had recent success with a Kyler Murray. Oklahoma's had recent success with a two-running back system, right? And, you know, whether you say, okay, Joe Mixon was the guy or Samadji Ryan was the guy – you know, to me, when you start bringing in a number of talented backs, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm telling Javante Barnes and I'm telling Gavin sachuk listen, everybody wants to be the star, right? Everybody at every single company in any walk of life wants to be the star. But, you know, sometimes there's value in being the guy that, can be the star without having to always be the star. And, oh, by the way, there's value in not having to constantly take wear and tear and wear and tear and wear and tear throughout your collegiate career. So I guess what I'm saying is you've got the recent track record similar to the 2 sports star thing that Oklahoma's got in its back pocket, the Samaje Pirine, Joe Mixon trademark that you can – or calling card that you can toss out onto the table. You could sit there and say, look, this, this is a pattern for success that – has worked out for both of those guys. Worked out for them at OU. Has worked out professionally for those guys. The, uh, the fruits of the Champion Barbecue. We've already seen a couple, John. And we're talking through Xavier Robinson. But uh, there, there could be some other fruits of the Champion Barbecue not too awfully far away. Let's kick some of that around. Uh, first, let me tell you, baseball season, it is in full swing, ladies and gents. There's no better place to get in on all of the action than with FanDuel. That's America's number one sports book because right now, new customers, no sweat, first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win, which. <laughs> try once uh, uh strike one strike two okay well you get strike one and then and, and then uh, hopefully there is no strike two but one thousand dollars back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win just head on over to fanduel.com backslash locked on to join today don't miss your chance to snag that no sweat first bet fanduel an official partner of major league baseball so we have seen uh, some positive items already in the way of azukama committing in the way of nesta committing and i think we'll be talking once again about positives in in the form of robinson committing it seems like the champu barbecue it's uh and really just the you know we could drill down and call it the champu barbecue or these couple of back-to-back important recruiting weekends for for oklahoma john and no doubt they're big time factors in it but really just the approach for oklahoma is about to start netting some results, I believe.
0: Yeah, it is. And the next one that, or what we're seeing, at least the buzz that's trending right now for Wyatt Gilmore, a three-star defensive end, edge prospect out of Minnesota. He's a top 20 prospect at the position. Oklahoma's trending in a really, really good direction for him as well. Okay, before you scoff at the three-star thing, again, a lot of times the three-star rating is just based on who's evaluated him. How many people have evaluated him? How many people have seen him? And trust the coaching staff evaluations. If Brent Venables, Miguel Chavis like what they're seeing in a kid, they're not going to care what the star rating is. They're going to offer the kid. It's similar to R. Mason Thomas, right? R. Mason Thomas from Iowa, you know, he was committed to Iowa State. He was a three-star prospect. I think in little little bits, we saw some really intriguing flashes out of R Mason that look better than a three-star prospect if we're just going by star ratings so don't sleep on Wyatt Gilmore he's got great size great athleticism he's going to be a guy that could potentially be a game wrecker at defensive end someone who could play both in three-man and four-man fronts he's got that size already to be able to do that so very very intriguing prospect there I mean it all comes back a lot of times to the defensive line but Josh what are you thinking about Wyatt Gilmore what are you seeing what What are you kind of expecting to happen there? I mean, all the projections right now are trending in Oklahoma's favor for Wyatt Gilmore.
1: Well, I I think what we've said in the past, if this coaching staff, if Miguel Chavis, if Brent Venables, Todd Bates, and probably Venables and Chavis in in this instance, if they see something that they like at edge or that maybe there's a potential down-the-road transferable skill to linebacker, either or, right, I'm going to trust that occasionally they're going to be able – to develop one or two that, uh, yeah, BV could give a rip about stars. I promise you that. Agreed, Kyle. Every once in a while, they're going to have to hit on a couple of those guys where they develop them into four, five-star talents, into NFL-type players. Not saying that uh, you can build a house out of two- and three-star talents, but uh, there is an occasional Aaron Colvin out there, right? I mean, that's somebody that was a two-star signee, for Oklahoma that winds up being uh, one of the best defensive backs in the last decade for Oklahoma. So again, I don't think that that's the formula that you go with nine times out of 10, but I think it's okay for two out of the other 10 for one out of the other 10. And let's hope it works out. Oklahoma needs to be a better development school than maybe it's been in bits and pieces of the past. There's parts where you would look at and say, you know what? Okay. Oklahoma's done a really good job developing, developing there, but You know, maybe across the secondary at times, development's, you know, really been poor for Oklahoma. So that's an area you need to improve. Just across the board, it's okay to take a couple of those guys and trust that Brent Venables and Chavis and so on and so forth. There's a reason that they've been national championship winning coaches or a part of teams that have done that. Not everybody's been a four or five star, John.
0: No, you're absolutely right. And I think even some of the more productive players that we've seen you know, out of this team, have been you know not necessarily, you know the the five star players um, all the time, and sometimes the five star players were the ones that didn't work out a lot of times. And so, while yes, we all want to get the five stars, we want to see Oklahoma land, and that's going to be critical to how we view this recruiting class, even in twenty twenty four, is how they land with David Stone, with Williams Nunnery, with potentially a guy like uh, you know Joseph Jonah Ajonier. Um, you know, he's a four-star guy, but maybe if they can pull a Dominic McKinley miracle, like the miracle with McKinley, uh, we're going to dub it that already. I already got the title, I already got the title in my head for Sooners wire, but I mean, so much of how this recruiting class is viewed is going to be based on what they do with their five-star defensive line ta- targets and the four-star defensive line targets as well. They know, they know they need to really fortify their defensive front before they go into the sec so we know also they need to land those two as well. And that's where kind of what gets interesting. You know, Williams Winnery visited Georgia recently, was also kind of visiting a friend in Atlanta. Georgia caught wind of it and he decided to go back down for, you know, another impromptu visit with the Bulldogs. I mean, the, the dogs are always going to be a threat in any defensive recruitment at this point. Kirby Smart has more recruiting cachet than anybody in the country, even Nick Saban. That's just the way it is right now. So he can, I mean, when he offers a kid, his offer pulls a ton of gravity with it. And and that gravity leads players to Athens because you can play with a lot of really, really talented prospects and end up yourself a very talented potentially NFL draft prospect because of the talent around you. Now, Brent Venables, he's got some recruiting cachet himself, Todd Bates as well. But with what Georgia's done on the defensive side of the football over the last two years, man, they're a serious threat if Kirby smart is coming after any defensive prospect, if you're any coach in the country, you've got to be a little bit threatened by it. At the same time, it seems like based on things like Parker Thune is saying that Oklahoma is still in a great, great spot for Williams, and that's all you can really hope for, right? Is to be in a great spot, to be in position and, and see what happens from there. Because again, commitments aren't, aren't final until they're signed. But you got you to gotta get somewhere. You got to be in position to get those signatures. And if you're not in position to get a commitment, you're definitely not going to be in a position to get a signature unless you end up with the Hail Mary and get the Peyton Bowen right at the buzzer. Um, I mean, this is, this is going to be huge. Sooners Cowboy, he, he's mentioning it. If OU misses out on the so-called guys OU is in on, it's same old OU recruiting outside of quarterbacks and skill position. You're absolutely right. What this class is going to be judged on is what Brent Venables, Todd Bates, and Miguel Chavis have been brought here to do, and that's land the elite, elite four- and five-star prospects along the defensive line. That's got to be paramount for this class. If they don't, it will be viewed as a bit of a disappointment. No matter how high the ranking is, no matter what you know what else you get, again, at the skill positions, it won't matter if you don't land David Stone, Williams, Nuneary, but at the same time, Right now, as we sit here on the Locked On Sooners live show on June 26th, everything is looking full speed ahead for Stone and Winery. Again, mm-hmm. the Hail Marys, Dominic McKinley, Joseph Ajon- Joseph Jonah Ajone. Um, I'm missing, uh, uh, you know, you're in a great spot for Danny Okoye. Also, the Noah prospect out of, you know, the, the homeschool out of Tulsa area. Like, that's an athletic dude, four-star prospect, one of the best in the state. And, man, you never know what could happen with the Zadavian Sims. Again, you were able to flip Peyton Bowen from Oregon on signing day after he flipped from Notre Dame. I wouldn't count the Sooners out of the Zadavian Sims sweepstakes until that signature hits the page.
1: This has been a staff of closers. There's no doubt about that. And uh, it's probably safe to assume that somewhere, hopefully a couple of places, Oklahoma is going to close in a way that, that is elite, right? And it needs to. Every single class, Oklahoma needs to find a way, whether it's folks that are committed or that flip here or there and mitigating a flip here or there. Oklahoma's got to find a way to get those four five star blue chip guys, especially up front. And you're right. It's almost it's almost Oklahoma fans will be willing. and i'm I'm going to tread lightly here and softly here. Oklahoma fans will almost be willing to accept a miss or two elsewhere if you've got Stone and Waneri locked up in this class. I mean it, it is so there is so much emphasis on those two guys, on what Oklahoma does with the defensive line that uh if you can get that accomplished, then some other things it's ah, eh, we'll get a skill guy in the next class. We'll find a skill guy out of the transfer portal and Oklahoma's already doing well at wide receiver in this class with with Kearney and others, but uh, you almost have a little bit of grace elsewhere. If you can just get stone locked up, right? If you can just get one locked up, if you can, uh, if you can get some of these other folks up front that we're talking about offensive line, somebody who was it, John, that asked us about offensive line. What do we think about where Oklahoma is at? How are we looking in terms of offensive line for Oklahoma? Marcus Easley. Sounds like, uh, you know, Oklahoma's been in the mix there, but doesn't sound like maybe that one's going to swing OU's direction. Who do we feel good about up front along the offensive line? Because I think that's a sneaky position group that uh, Oklahoma's got to get busy landing some commitments and, and big time commitments from.
0: Yeah. So uh, this one comes from uh, Dave Coberly, three, seven, six, eight. Uh, one of our subscribers over on the Locked On Center's YouTube channel. Uh, hey, if you ever have a question or you ever have a show topic that you want to see us discuss, man, make sure you're subscribed to the show and you're dropping those comments in the, the show replies, the show comments, because we want to talk about what y'all want to talk about as well. So offensive line, I mean, you got Isaiah Autry. That's huge. A guy that Brent or that Bill Beaton Mo wants athletic offensive tackle with great size, great uh, athleticism and and really good physicality. Uh, that's a good starting spot. But you got to build on there. Grant Bricks is a name that Oklahoma's really been kind of in a good spot for for some time. But again, it comes down to you got to close on these things. And um, another, you know, we talked about Caden Massey in the past. Uh, but again, it, it's a lot of the Midwest schools that you're going up against for not only um, you know Bricks, but also Caden Massey. Uh, you lost out on Weston Davis to Texas A and M. Uh, and Bennett Warren, four star prospect, top 200 or top 150 player according to 247 sports from Sugarland, Texas. That's another one that Oklahoma is very much in the mix for. Uh, and that, those are just the three offensive tackle prospects that that they're in a really good spot for. Um, then you look uh, at the rest of the offensive line. you know Liam Andrews is one the top 100 prospect that they're in a good spot for. They're competing with South Carolina. Wisconsin, Penn State, Miami, um, and then Casey Poe. You come back to Casey Poe as a guard prospect. And I mean, you're going up against some of the heavy hitters like Alabama and Auburn. Um, and then we talked about Eddie Pierre Louis with our guy, Brian Smith, a few weeks back. Mm-hmm. But that's a very, very intriguing prospect 6'3, 335 at guard. Um, Brian couldn't speak highly enough of the Tampa Catholic uh, product. You've got the ties to Tampa Catholic. Mm-hmm. With Lewis Carter, you've recruited that school well. Brent Venables has a good reputation in the program, and Bill Beatenbow, you know, he's got a great reputation, as good as anybody in the country. Yeah, I mean, Grant Bricks, he's got the girlfriend in Kansas, and girlfriends are undefeated. Uh, they're bigger than NIL dollars or a coaching uh, acumen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that matters. Those relationships matter, and you know, players follow relationships. And you know what? The girlfriend matters in that recruitment, so it's gonna take may take a little bit for Oklahoma to sway that prediction. Um, might may- I say
1: might I say it, it ain't that far for the girlfriend? So no. if I can I'm not doing re- any recruiting here, but just to, just throwing it out into the uh atmosphere that uh look, uh if you think that's a long road trip, I got news for you. It's it's not that far to Kansas. What's
0: the what's the commute? What's the commute, Josh? Well,
1: let's see where uh, where exactly from Kansas. Remind me again.
0: Well, I mean, it's Kansas State is is a big time uh, you know threat right here for the Sooners. So let's say Manhattan.
1: Well, and and I guess uh, bricks bricks is an Iowa kid, right? Right. So okay, well that's that's a little bit further <laughs> than did kansas but the, the the girlfriends in kansas all right come on that's uh you know five hours away something like that that's no big deal come that's
0: on, nothing man. that's a you could do that in a day trip that's a drive that's down a in the morning yeah
1: walk in the park you know what matter of fact you guys don't want to spend too much time together it'll just drive you apart you want to have a little <laughs> a little freedom from each other and then a nice uh, nice get together
0: let me say this. My wife and I now going on 13 years of marriage, we spent our two, first two and a half years doing long distance between Fort Worth and Oklahoma city. We saw each other every other weekend. It seemed to work out pretty well for our dating life. She was in grad school to become a nurse practitioner. I was in grad school as well down in Dallas. So Hey, it worked out. We could focus on our things. We could you know, then have every other weekend together where we could really focus on each other. Worked out great for us. So Grant, The long distance thing can work if you're if you're tuning in here on Locked On Sooner. So, I mean, basically what it comes down to for offensive line is do we trust Bill Biedenboe?
1: Well, I I, I, yeah, I mean, I think we do. And I think we trust in terms of development. I think Biedenboe's done a really good job there, whether it's, you know, out of the transfer portal and then developing. That's why I've said to you, you know, if if Bill Biedenboe, if he could get the occasional, you know, just a couple more blue chippers than maybe he's gotten in years past the occasional five-star here or there. Oh man. I, you know, what would coach beaten be able to do? Because it feels like, it feels like that has been in a lot of spots development. You for Oklahoma, whether it's interior offensive line, I'm not saying that there haven't been some blue chippers, but it's not been, it's not been a bunch of five-star guys at offensive tackle and offensive guard or center. I'd love to see what Coach Bow could do with some of those guys, mixing and matching a little bit of both. I mean, obviously that's the, the reality is not everybody's going to be that four or five-star kid. But, man, it'd be nice if you could uh, win a recruitment like this. Sounds like K-State's going to be pretty hard to beat for Bricks, though.
0: I mean, you look at Bray Walker, and I I, I, hate, I don't like to bring up past players and their star ratings and, and talk about them as disappointments. But Bray Walker was a five-star player, your top prospect in the 20, what, 2018 recruiting class, and he didn't really do anything for you. For whatever reason. I mean, there, there could have been a number of reasons why it didn't work out, but it just didn't work out for Oklahoma and Bray Walker. Whereas a guy like Creed Humphrey, you know, maybe a lesser known prospect comes in and he's a star. Um, you know, you talk about a guy like Caden Green. Okay, he's not a five star player, but he's a four star player. The fact that he was starting for Oklahoma in the spring game, yes, they had a lot of injuries, but still he was starting with Oklahoma's first unit. That matters. Like this is a kid that's got a ton of talent and is going to be able to make a big impact for the Oklahoma Sooners. If you can't, if you can take the talent and develop it like Bill Beatenbow has, this is potentially another first round draft prospect in the future for the Sooners. We just had one, in Anton Harrison. Tyler Guyton's getting all kinds of love right now. You got Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl, Jared Verse from Florida State, talking all kinds of nice things about you know Tyler Guyton, who. Wasn't t- he wasn't an offensive tackle when he came to college? He was a basketball player, and then he played tight end, and then he moved to offensive tackle. And yet, we're talking about maybe Tyler Guyton potentially being a first-round pick, or at least a top 100 pick in the 2024 NFL draft. That's Bill Beatenbow right there, taking a guy who never really hadn't really played the position much, and making him a bona fide starting tackle at the collegiate level. That's huge, man. And so you look at the rest of the the. The guys they brought into the 2022 and 2023 cycle, we got to start seeing those guys take steps, especially the Jake Taylors, the Jacob Sextons. You got to see those guys really start to become significant parts of this offensive line. But the 2023 class is already making headway on that front, especially with a guy like Caden Green. Like you're already starting to see the fruits of those labors. So I trust that the offensive line is going to be good. I trust that that Bill Beatonbow is going to land a couple four star guys in this offensive line class. Does not would we like it to be all four and five stars? Absolutely. But Bill Beatenbow, he believes in going after some of the under the radar guys, you know, like a Logan Howland, you know, out of what New Jersey, you know, or Heath Ozida out of Washington guys that may not be getting as much national pub, but have something that Bill Beatenbow sees as valuable and has the traits that he thinks can make a really, really good college offensive lineman potentially growing into even more. So let's go
1: logan howland by the way out of the hun school in princeton new jersey his great uh, quarterback
0: for a school by the way
1: it, it is a cool name for a school the hun school and uh their quarterback marco Linez is a was an iowa signee so they had a they actually had a pretty good offense uh at the hunt school not a ton of competition i don't think uh up in new jersey i like, think they were like <laughs> head and shoulders better th- better than a lot of teams that they played but uh you know, Hey, all the same. And part of it, you know, with somebody like that, I mean, it probably factors into the recruiting a little bit. You know, the top recruiting evaluators, I don't think are for the most part located in New Jersey. Right. I mean, a lot of those guys are in Florida. They're in Texas. They're in California. You name it. I mean, the, the top hotbeds typically. For football recruiting, so sometimes maybe that works against a guy like Howland, and even then, I mean, he ends the the cycle, John, as a four star, probably because a lot of people flipped on the tape and said, you know what, hmm. yeah, I, I think Coach Beanbow and company, I, I I think they've identified somebody that's pretty good. You know, uh, as it pertains to the bricks uh, recruitment, it, it, with with you know the recruits, uh, the recruits with the visits already being you know, behind him, which is, this is the case for most guys, but came to Oklahoma June 9th, went to Kansas state on the 16th, Alabama, Nebraska. Those are the the primary suitors that lends itself to probably a decision. It's not too far away, but you almost, uh, you know, if that's leaning K state's direction right now, you kind of hope that recruitment just keeps, just, just keep rolling rolling on a little bit. And you really wish K state was on your schedule, this season where you could make amends for last season, go out and uh, put a, you know, what uh, type of kicking on the Wildcats would be, would be nice to say, you know, uh, do you really want to go to K-State or you want to come to Oklahoma? But unfortunately that's not, it's not going to be an opportunity in this recruitment.
0: Yeah. And again, it comes back to, I just, if they don't land grant bricks, okay, it'll be a bummer, but they'll have options. Oklahoma is going to have a good offensive line. It's the same way we feel about, you know, the wide receiver skill position, right? We believe that they're going to be able to develop wide receiver talent and they're going to be able to recruit it. Same thing at offensive line. Like if you're an offensive lineman, why wouldn't you want to come play for Oklahoma and Bill Biedenboe? I don't know. Now you're going to get to go into the sec and you're going to get to go against some of the best players in the country and develop tape that potentially puts you as a top, you know, 100 or at least a draftable prospect at the NFL level. We talk about a guy like Wanya Morris, you know, who was kind of buried at Tennessee, came to Oklahoma, even had to sit a year after transferring to Oklahoma, and then made himself a draftable prospect with just one year, even after having kind of a bit of an injury laden season. And so, you know, the Grant Bricks thing, we got to follow it, but it's one offensive lineman that they're targeting in this class there's, there's other good options as well. Bennett, Bennett Warren. I mean, that's one that Oklahoma seems to be training in a really, really good spot for Caden Massey. Again, you're going to have to compete with like Nebraska and K state and Kansas, but again, you still feel really good about it. And then the interior offensive line guys, like they're really looking to beef up with some of those interior offensive line prospects, especially Eddie Pierre Louis, like 330 already as a junior in high school. That's pretty impressive. Now it just adds more strength, adds more athleticism to that frame. And I mean, you got yourself a bona fide, you know, interior player specifically at guard. That's going to make you a really, really tough team to beat, uh, especially if you want to run inside. So I'm, I'm liking where Oklahoma is at. Obviously, we want to see the commitments. Uh, you talk to a guy like Parker who, um, you know, he'll share some of this. But I mean, I think he believes July is going to be a big month for the Sooners on the recruiting trail. You're going to get several commitments. So it's it's coming. It may not be coming as fast as we'd like because we want Christmas today, but it's coming and Oklahoma's offensive line is going to be put together. And it's going to look really nice.
1: Eddie Pierre, Louis, I, I can't imagine. I, I can because of the home field advantage for a UCF. And I know that he's a Tampa kid, but it's just tough for me to see Oklahoma losing a recruitment to UCF. And I that that's maybe a little bit uppity or this or that, but, you know, just would you rather play at Oklahoma or UCF, unless it's just I want to stay home, I want to stay home, I want to stay home. I like Oklahoma in that recruitment. When it's all said and done, I would want to come play at the University of Oklahoma, somewhere where football is is life. It means everything to this state, to to Sooner fans. I mean, and it's got a track record for getting you to the National Football League. So there's no part of that battle, if it is indeed, you know, between those two, and it's a two-horse race, Oklahoma-UCF, I like OU there. Uh, Bennett Warren, who you were talking about, John, six seven and a half is what he's listed. Three thirty out of Sugarland, Texas. He's a, I mean, this is a, a high four-star recruit according to Twenty Four Seven Sports. Number eighty-five nationally, number five offensive tackle. And, and you know, obviously, uh, he's down to the final four of Michigan, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas A&M. One thing I think you like there. Is Well, number one, he, he was here for the champion barbecue and number two, you know, two of the four you're you're recruiting against AM in terms of the regionality factor. Not saying that uh, for every single recruit. I mean, I'm sitting here trying to get, you know, sell the point that Pierre Louise is going to pick Oklahoma, which is a long ways away from Tampa. I get all that. But uh, if regionality matters in this recruitment, that would definitely uh, I mean, that's going to favor Oklahoma over both Michigan and Tennessee.
0: Yeah, I, I, Oklahoma is going to have a chance in any offensive line recruiting battle, uh, especially the ones. I mean, you're not going to get them all, but you're going to be in a really good spot. If you if you lose a, re, a recruitment to UCF, I mean, kudos to Gus Malzahn and the Knights and Disney World and NASA. Man, I got to applaud you because, I mean, you're, you're showing that you're ready for the big time by going head to head with Oklahoma and, and pulling out a, a, a win. Another but, uh, victory.
1: Another victory for Brett Yormark, if it happens.
0: There you go. Yeah, absolutely. You get to get to have Eddie Pierre Louis in your your conference in the Big Twelve. Hey, put lace up some basketball shoes. I'd love to see him out on the court. I'm sure he's athletic enough to make something happen. Um, man, it's it, it's going to be fun to see how this all kind of figure fizzle uh, fizzle continues to go. Thank you. Sorry. I don't want to say fizzles out. Yeah, no, fizzles out. How did it all finalize? Yeah, we did. Hey, can we in the middle of a six-day, I'm in five of six, 12-hour shifts before me and my family are about to go on vacation tomorrow night. So my brain is a lot scattered um, as we record tonight. So Dylan Gabriel has a shot at the Heisman this year. I mean, Oklahoma's offense, if it's really, really good, yeah. But I think – and I might make the bold claim here, but I think Caleb Williams is going to do something that nobody's done since the mid-70s, and that's go back to back in the Heisman. Mm-hmm. I, I just have this feeling um, that because of all of the, I don't know, Lincoln-Riley angst and everything that's kind of gone against USC, there's going to be this like reversal of the feel or the reversal of the, the discussion – and kind of give maybe a little bit more credence to Caleb Williams and USC and Lincoln Riley. I know we, we hate that. We don't want to see that. But Caleb Williams is as good a player as there is in college football. But if Dylan Gabriel, if he has a Heisman Trophy type season, Oklahoma's in the college football playoff, in my opinion.
1: Probably, unless uh, what I just watched. By the way, folks, I am, as we're taping this live, uh, I, I'm torturing myself by re-watching the cheese it, bowl. This is, this is a new thing. I'm, I'm breaking out here for locked on Sooners live where I will be revisiting one game from uh, all of Oklahoma's, you know, past season each, each week going forward. And let me just tell you, it's another game. I how does Oklahoma lose this game to Florida State the way they started, and yet you know if there's a Trayshawn Ward 38 yard touchdown run like I just saw a second ago in this replay, maybe even a Heisman campaign for Dylan Gabriel will not be enough to uh, to get Oklahoma into uh, college football playoff contention. Which uh, you know how does Oklahoma fix some of these woes, John? I just think that is the the big story for OU. This season, I mean, we can break down position groups, but collectively, big picture for Oklahoma, how do they remedy the, you know, outside of the simple, yeah, the defense wasn't good. It was 122nd nationally. I keep coming back to Oklahoma just didn't find a way to win games last season. I know that's cliche and uh, it's simplistic. Oklahoma was a losing program a season ago. So to me, when when is the moment? Who are the opponents Texas is obvious, but beyond that, when can we next season feel like, okay, Oklahoma started to figure out how to play good defense. Oklahoma started to figure out how to, how to win again, because I think that's the biggest question that needs to
0: be answered in 2023. It starts with Texas, how they play that game is going to be a big indicator of how this team goes. Now they could, they could go 11 and one in the regular season, but we'll know how good this team is with how well they play Texas because Texas has got arguably the best wide receiver core in the country. They're going to have a really, really good offensive line again. And if you can slow them down, if you can hold them to 30 or less points, if you can, you know, keep it, keep their running game from, you know, going Bajon Robinson on you, if you can keep Xavier worthy from just tearing you up like he did in the uh, 2021 shootout, then I'm going to feel really good about this team and their chances to make some serious noise in the Big 12 and potentially earn their way into the college football playoff. That doesn't mean – I mean, I do think I Oklahoma is going to right the ship and they're going to win this game. They're going to have a lot of motivation in this one. And I can't really base that other than on anything other than feels. I just have it in my gut that Oklahoma is going to beat Texas in the, in the Cotton Bowl this year. Based on what we see in the first few weeks of the season, though, we're not going to know. About Oklahoma, Arkansas State's not going to tell us who Oklahoma is. SMU's not going to tell us who Oklahoma is. Tulsa's not going to tell us who Oklahoma is. Now SMU and Tulsa, they'll have some they'll have some good offenses. Not Big Twelve good, not Texas good, but they'll be good tune ups. Uh, You'll play Kansas, you'll play Iowa State. You know potentially tricky games, but you should win those games if you've got Big Twelve title aspirations. Iowa State and Kansas do nothing for me. If they aren't better up front and Jason Hughes mentions it over here in the chat, if we can stop that run game up the middle, we'll be all right. I truly believe that. And I think Brent Venables believes that if they're better up the middle at defensive tackle, than they were a year ago. They're a better football team. They're not allowing Baylor to run all over them. They're not allowing, you know, Garrett green to go super Saiyan on them. You know, they're not allowing some of these, these games to happen where they're giving up, you know, a 38 yard run because, you know, the linebackers were blocked cleanly because, you know, it was easy to get to the second level. No, they went after, you know, a lot of interior defensive line targets to bolster that middle so that they're not allowing easy runs and they're not allowing the offensive line to get to the linebacker level and make clean blocks. No, they're trying to make things a lot harder on opposing offensive lines. Now guys like Dejon Terry, Jacob Lacey, Davin Sears, Philip Paya, they've got to show up and they got to be good. Grayson Halton, who I think is going to have a breakout season, Jordan Kelly, Isaiah Coe, all these guys, they've got to be really good and they have to be like, if they're not really good, this is we're going to see a lot of the same problems on defense that we saw a year ago. But as a collective, and we can throw Jonah Lula into that mix as well because he's going to be playing a lot more defensive tackle. If as a collective they're better, this defense is better, this team is better. You talked about you know the way that they lost close games. I mean, they were not clutch. They were unclutch in a lot of ways. But because they had to play so many close games, I mean, you play tight and sometimes you miss those opportunities. But if they are just a little bit better defensively, they're leading at the end of those games as opposed to trying to make comebacks to win those games. Or they're making stops in the final moments of those games as opposed to letting Texas Tech just drive down the field at will. Or even allowing Texas Tech to come back in that game after being down big because they're just a little bit better defensively. That's how important this this is to the Oklahoma Sooners. They've got to be better defensively. And if they are, they're a much better team.
1: And, and let's hope that guys like you talked about you know, in our in our last show, if you you folks missed it, you can check it out on YouTube or anywhere you consume your podcast, locked on Sooners, where you can listen to Sooners coverage your team every single day. I, I told you, John, it's almost like this whole football team you can you can break down in pairs in some ways. And to me, one of those pairs that, as we're grading how this thing's going to turn out for Oklahoma, one of those pairs is Isaiah Coe and Jordan Kelly. And so if we're saying, okay, this team needs to get ah, just that little bit better, okay, well, which one of you two wants to be great? You've been good. You've been good. You've not been great. That little bit more, right, or or folks from the transfer portal, or Stutzman was really, really good. D- do you want to be great? Are, are you ready to be great? Just that little bit more across the board for Oklahoma, which, uh, you know, frankly, let's call it what it is, collectively is a lot a bit more across the board for Oklahoma because you finished 122nd nationally. And yet there were good pieces. There there were good bits and pieces. It just wasn't in key moments. And it certainly wasn't collectively. And uh, it wasn't complimentary, whether that's offense or defense. So, I mean, I'm sitting here in Oklahoma again in this uh, cheese it ball. I'm rewatching it. And, uh, you know, offensively, you get off to this great, great start, but you don't continue in the game. Uh, West Virginia offensively, horrible start. You get things going a little bit in the second half. It's just all of that for Oklahoma. They got to find a way to be a more complimentary football team if something's positive. They've got to find a way, John, to keep the momentum and keep things positive. And defensively, again, everybody's just got to elevate, 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 whether that's the, the transfer portal additions like a McCullough that we think is going to be a star, whether if that's guys that are in-house, everybody, next level. And I told you uh, in uh, yesterday's show, too, that uh, we, are in, we are at this point of the offseason. Folks, I'm ready to sign up for 12-0 again, okay? I'm ready for this team to go win a national championship. That is the standard at Oklahoma. I understand being realistic with this team and with this program and how bad it was a year ago, but everybody in that building, John, I guess what I'm saying is they need to have that expectation. They need to have that belief that they can do that because it's been done at Oklahoma before. And I hope Kim's right. I hope you're right, Kim BV will have the defense in top form. And I can't wait to see all these pundits eat crow big 12 champs, college football playoff. And I think you said national champions uh, as well. Kim. you left that part out?
0: Yeah, that's right. We're, we're not going to, we're not going to aim low. We're aiming high. It, it, it's, it's simple. Just be better. Right. It now it's just a matter of, okay, being better. You, You hate to, kind of narrow things down to that. But when everything is as bad as it was really just got to be better. And now now they've got guys that are talented enough for this team to be better defensively. It's just a matter of putting it all together. We we think the offense is going to be really, really good. We think they're going to have a great running game. And if they do, if they have a really, really good running game, being better in short yardage situations than they were a year ago, then they're going to be a better team all, all the way around. I mean, they got to be better on third down, red zone, fourth down, all that. But if their defense is not better, then it's not going to matter how good they are. You know, this is a team that, you know, they they scored 32 points per game. They allowed 30 points per game. You allow just 25 points per game. Maybe you win two, three more games. This schedule, all the improvements on the defensive side of the football should allow you to improve by five points per game this year. It's-
1: this staff, John, right? Staff. I mean, if Brent Venables and you know Chavis is the, the, Chavis, you got to prove it, right? I mean, edge guys, it can't be defensive ends, edge rushers. It can't be, hey, gangbusters in the non-conference. And then wait a second, why are we not the TFL team or the sacks generating team that we were throughout the non conference in Big 12 play? Because that that was a sad reality for Oklahoma a year ago and You know what? Okay, on-the-job training is done, Miguel Chavis. I'm a big, big fan. Uh, I love Miguel Chavis, the guy. Time for results. The Team outside edge needs to get better, needs to be more consistent than it was a a season ago. Pass rush has to be significantly better, and uh, that needs to be the expectation that it's going to be a lot better.
0: Time to unleash our man, our Mason Thomas. A lot of those 2022 prospects – a pj out a you know time to see guys like ethan downs reggie Grimes, marcus tripling be better again it comes down to everybody being better the depth being better because if you have a significant drop off from your starter to your second teamer i mean that that's all it takes is one play for an offense to take advantage in college football and if you're not good enough from you know dn1 to dn2 they'll take advantage of you so Everybody's got to be better across the board. I mean, it's, it's one of those seasons where yeah, Oklahoma is a lot of times being projected as the second best team in the big 12. And even then we kind of feel like, okay, maybe that's too high to start the season. Maybe it's too low, but this is a team that just has to, has to prove it. Now they've got the talent. They've got the coaching staff. They've got the recruiting classes. Now it's time to see it all unfold on the field. Okie trade says BB seems to be holding canic back for reasons unknown. I don't think that's going to be the case this year. I, I think, I mean, I think last year it was a respect to the veterans that stuck around respect to Deshaun white and David Aguebu for sticking around and being a part of the transition year, being a part of that, you know, that move uh, from the Lincoln Riley era to the, the Brent Venables era. And so, You know, hats off to those guys, respect to those guys. The thing that shows respect is the playing time. But this year, I fully, I fully expect Jaron Canick to be unleashed on the big 12 and the national football season or scene. He and Danny Stutzman are going to remind you a lot of uh, the bash brothers from the mighty ducks, um, Portman and, uh, Fulton, Fulton Reed and, and Dylan Portman. I think it was from the mighty ducks too. What a callback.
1: (laughs) I love it. Very exciting on this edition of Locked On Sooners. Very, very, very fun. This is probably reaching a little bit here, but if Oklahoma gets off to a great start and Florida State gets off to a great start, how much can OU draw from, you know, eh, Ended last season very, very competitively versus Florida State? I know they just got to win and take care of their own business,
0: but is there anything there? That was a good Florida state team, a a team that a lot of people are projecting as a top five program going into the season with one of the better quarterbacks, Jordan Travis, who is going to be a threat to Caleb Williams, going back to back in the Heisman, uh, you know, Mike Norvell, who is building that program in a, in a similar way that Brent Venables wants to build the Sooners Jared verse. He's going to be a top five draft pick next year. He was going to be a top 10 draft pick this year. And he's stuck around for one more year in college. Like Jared versus I've kind of become a fan of this guy because I don't know. He just loves the game. Like he was really, really good at Buffalo transferred to Florida state. He was even better at Florida state and is going to have one of these seasons where if it wasn't for Caleb Williams and Drake may in the 2024 NFL draft class, Jared Verse would have a chance to go number one overall uh, in the class. That's just how good of a player he was for Florida state last year. Um, But yeah, I mean, if, if Florida state gets off to a great start, and Oklahoma does, I think we can say maybe that that bowl game was a bit of a turning point. We got to see a lot of youngsters in that one, not as many as we'd have liked to see. You know, Jaron Cannick only played two snaps in that game. But I mean, we got to see what Aaron Parks play a ton in that one and play really, really well. We got to see Tyler Guyton play a ton in that game and play really, really well. Jared Verse called Tyler Guyton the best offensive tackle he'd faced last year or ever. So that's huge. Like that, I mean, there's there's a chance this could be it. Unlike the Oregon bowl game where we saw a lot of great things, but it didn't translate uh, to what Oklahoma was in 2023 or 2022. So, I mean, there's a chance, but again, it's like you said, they got to take care of their own business. They got to go out and win games. And I keep coming back to the Texas game. If they show up well and they play really, really well and beat Texas, but even if they don't beat Texas, but maybe are just, it's a one score game that they lose to Texas. And I'll feel so much better about this defense moving forward because they would have hung with a team that has arguably the best wide receiver group in the nation and one of the best offensive lines in the nation.
1: So just a a couple of quick things before we get out of here, obviously the softball breaking news, Jocelyn Erickson has hit the portal Uh, just backtracking for a quick moment. Caleb Williams, I don't think is going back to back in the Heisman and the reason we don't have to explore this too much further. The reason I say no is I think they have to go undefeated throughout the regular season in order for him to do that. Just because we raised the bar so much higher to go back to back in the Heisman. I think it's part of the reason we've not seen anybody do it. It's like, yeah, well, you were great a season ago. You were honestly great in spots your first season with Oklahoma. And so now it's got to be the team success matched with the greatness individually of Caleb Williams. I think he could have another fabulous individually great season, John, but I just don't see USC going unbeaten or winning the Pac-12. So I don't think he's going to win the Heisman Trophy. So, and that's not to say that I think Dylan Gabriel is winning the Heisman Trophy. I just, uh, and I think Caleb Williams is fabulous. I think he's a no-brainer number one overall pick. And I think he will be a longtime superstar in the NFL, but he will not go back-to-back back as your Heisman Trophy winner in uh, 2023. So, okay, Jocelyn Erickson. This uh, this thing, man, um, you know, uh, talking to a couple of people that uh, are close to the program or were at the, you know, celebration for the championship, I guess I didn't realize this. Jocelyn Erickson jetted out very quickly after the season was done. I don't even know that she was at – the uh championship uh celebration or if she was she left immediately after so you you talked to some people that were were there and were close to the situation yeah it's shocking but that part was like oh wait a second there was some writing on the wall here i, I just uh man th- this is a bad one for oklahoma though too right you you trust the patty gasso and company they're going to reload they're going to find talent it does all of a sudden create this situation a backup catcher it's Who's the backup catcher now behind Kinsey Hanson? Who's going to be behind the dish if it's not Hanson? So that part's a little alarming. Obviously, uh, the incredible start that she got off to swinging the bat last season, a ton of pop, a ton of potential there. So it's a significant loss. I'm not going to sit here and downplay like this wasn't somebody that was arguably Oklahoma's best player and certainly the top bat coming in in the last signing class. I don't know the reason why uh, Erickson would leave other than you know, I guess Hanson chose to come back and probably there's an opportunity out west. But uh, man, that that from those that are close to the program, I guess it wasn't a super shot, John. But I'm here to tell you in this seat, I was floored when I saw that news come across.
0: Yeah, I was a bit surprised by that, too, because even if she wasn't going to be the starting catcher, I felt like she was going to get a significant role as the designated player. Or get some first base opportunities, you know, platooning with Sidney Sanders at first base. So, yeah, very surprised by that. I mean, for much of the early part of the season, she was hitting over 500 and leading the Sooners in batting average and home runs and RBIs. And then, you know, yeah, lost some playing time, you know, in the middle part of the season when Kenzie Hansen came back. But, I mean, Patty Gasso kept calling her number, you know, in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, it, but she didn't necessarily hit well. She was just two for 11 in the NCAA tournament. And those two hits came against Cal. So from the, you know, super regional through the women's college world series, she was kind of over, and this isn't to say she's not a good player, but I mean, she was getting opportunities and she wasn't really kind of taking advantage of those opportunities. So who knows, man, they might have something in store that had the writing on the wall for, you know, Jocelyn Erickson that said, well, maybe I just need to find an opportunity elsewhere. Maybe it is Kinsey Hanson coming back. And she wanted to be able to get behind the plate and play, play catcher. I mean, the Kinsey Hanson thing might've moved, you know, you know, Sophia Nugent on as well, but that's just kind of what happens. Like if you're Kinsey Hanson and you want to come back, yeah, you come on back. Like you come on back nine times you know, every single day of the week, nine times out of nine times. Um, I mean, she's going to be your captain probably in 2023 or sorry, in the 2024 season um, taking over for grace Lyons. But yeah, I mean, it's definitely a, a big loss. But like you said, I think Patty Gasso and Jennifer Rocha and you know JT Gasso are going to have you know a, a really good plan to either replace her, to replace Grace Lyons. There's going to be some really good players to step into the lineup for the Sooners.
1: Well, we are folks out of time in this edition of Locked On Sooners Lab. I will say. Man, what a, what a crowd we had tonight. Comments were awesome. Appreciate you guys in the, uh, the YouTube side over there. For everybody listening along, uh, you can join us every Monday at 9 o'clock. Locked on Sooners Live. There is no off-season for Josh Helmer and John Williams and for Locked on Sooners. Your team every single day, though I say that. And, John, you're about to go on vacation. W- where are you guys vacationing to and so, uh, when can I expect you back?
0: <laughs> so we're going on a we're going to a family reunion in Las Vegas uh, every two years. My wife's grandma's side of the family, like all her my grandma my wife's grandma's passed away, but her siblings and all the kids and grandkids all get together every two years. So two years ago we were in Kentucky, got to go on a nice like bourbon tasting tour um, for one of the cousins who works at a at a uh, um, what do you, I don't know what you'd call a bourbon brewery, but a, a, uh, yeah,
1: it's not a winery.
0: No, it's not that. I don't know what it is, but we went to one of those, a distillery. Thank you. A distillery, a distillery, yes. distillery <laughs> um, which was fantastic. Um, Yellowstone, Yellowstone, uh, uh, bourbon. If you haven't had it and give it a shot, it's fantastic. Um, but then two years before that it was Oregon. So this year it's in Las Vegas, but myself, my wife, my seven-year-old daughter, my two-year-old son, we're gonna road trip. We're leaving tomorrow night, Tuesday night, from uh, Tahlequah, Oklahoma, where I live, to Oklahoma City. Then Oklahoma City. We're going to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and then from Santa Fe to Flagstaff, and then Flagstaff to Vegas. So we're gonna have a nice, good old American uh, road trip, and we're pumped about it. Uh, a little bit nervous about the two year old and how he's gonna how he's gonna travel, but we're gonna have good times. Along the way, we'll just keep throwing snacks in the back and just treat them like a gremlin. Just don't feed them after midnight. Jimmy says, watch out for the aliens out there, John. So, Got you. I got you, man. Yeah, we will have a great week. And hey, my wife told me I need to try and record from Las Vegas. So we might try to make something like that happen. Um, well, yeah. that,
1: maybe for the live show, if uh, if nothing else enjoy your vacation. Don't feel the need to do any of that. Yeah. Believe me when I tell you that I, or some help that maybe we draw up, we will hold down the fort, my friend. For oh, you. for sure. But, no uh,
0: doubt. I have no doubt in my mind. It's going to be great. Uh, but Josh, all the, all of this to say that we might not be an everyday show for the next couple of weeks. But Josh will hold it down. He'll keep you covered on everything that's happening on the recruiting front, whatever happens in the uh, the transfer portal for OU o- softball. Josh will have it covered. He'll have great guests along the way as well.
1: That's right. And it's going to be fun. I can't wait to, uh, you know, the next a week and a half however long it is that we get to hang out with you and then uh, probably i got a vacation coming up uh, not too far after that john but uh, hey fun show tonight really appreciate you guys as always you guys we say it we say it we say it we can ask questions like hey how can i contribute to the show where can i donate this and that we're not about that we just want you to like subscribe join us on mondays at nine o'clock uh, we, we, we make that bag based on you all showing up and hitting that like and subscribe bell and on and on and on. And, uh, just, just by joining us here. So it's a lot of fun for us. We really enjoy it.
0: Yep. So make sure you follow Josh on Twitter at Josh on ref all myself at John nine Williams. You can hear Josh Monday through Friday from nine to noon on 94, seven, the ref in Norman. You can read my work over at the sooners but until next time he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams boomer sooner.